Welcome to the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. We hope you're encouraged by today's message and encounter God's heart through it. To find out more about us, visit lifechurchstpeters.com. He was secure. He was confident. He was filled with faith. He was a man deep down filled with a burning desire to see God glorified. When he encountered Goliath, Goliath has already happened. Goliath has already gone because David cut his head off. But David's the kind of man in uh, 1 Samuel 17, when David, as a teenager, encountered a, a warrior, Goliath, over nine foot tall. David's the sort of guy that ran at Goliath. I'd be looking for a boulder and shooting little slingshots from behind the boulder. But not David. When he sees something that's not right, he goes right after it. And we're going to pick up, that's the same thing that's happening right here in this passage. David is a man of action, a man of passion. He is a powerful individual. And the third person in the story is an amazingly, incredibly gifted, godly, powerful woman named Abigail. Nabal, the bad guy's wife. She's humble, she's wise, she's kind, she's fearless. She's used of God. You could reason with her. She, she just understood the heartbeat of God and what to do in the moment. She was rich also because she was Nabal's wife, who was a very, very rich man. So I want to pick it up, 1 Samuel 25, 2 through 6. We're just going to read three or four passages in the same chapter. Father, help me to communicate your heart this morning. Jesus, that you would help me with my heart. Not hoping Susie hears it, or John hears it, or this is perfect for Billy Bob. Lord, help me. Holy Spirit, help me that I could look and sound just like you, Jesus. I would be humble and kind, responsive to you, Spirit of God. Bless us this morning. 1 Samuel 25, 2 through 6. A certain man in Maon who had property there at Carmel was very wealthy. Everybody say very wealthy. Very wealthy. He had a thousand goats and 3,000 sheep, Merry Christmas, which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman, but her husband was surly and mean in his dealings. Other translation, cruel. Nabal was a cruel, angry, surly, mean man. He was a Calebite. While David was in the wilderness, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. So he sent ten young men and said to them, Go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name. Say to him, Long life to you, good health to you and to your household, and good health to all that is yours. So these ten men went up at David's request and said, We've been looking out after you. Ask your servants. It's shearing time. It's harvest time. If you have a gift for us, could you consider giving us a gift? We pick it up in verse 10. This is Nabal, the owner, the rich, cruel man's response. Nabal answered David's servants, Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? It's funny, he says, Who is David? But he also knows his dad's name. Giveaway. Sorry, Nabal. Caught. Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Because David was a legend. He'd already killed Goliath. He was already a champion, but he was on the, on the run because of an angry, 
man named King Saul. Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why? Listen, listen to Nabal's language about what God had blessed him with. Why should I take my bread, my water, and the meat I have slaughtered for my shears and give it to men coming from who knows where? Nabal's been so blessed by God. He's extremely wealthy. He's got an amazing wife. But in his mind, it's all mine because I'm king of my castle. I'm boss around here. And I'm rich. And I don't have to share it with people like you. So he offended the ten men. The ten men went back to David. And David said, strap on your swords. We're going to sort it out today. Why? Because when David sees a Goliath, he goes after it. When David sees a bully like Nabal, strap on your swords. We're going to eliminate a problem today. I'm not saying it was a right response, but that's just the man that David was. So the servants hear that Nabal has offended David's men, and they've also heard that David's men are coming to sort them out, kill them all. Verse 14, same chapter. One of the servants told Abigail, Nabal's wife, David sent messengers from the wilderness to give our masters greetings, but Nabal hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us, and the whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing. Night and day, they were a wall around us. The whole time we were herding our sheep near them. And the servant said this to Abigail, the wife. Now think it over. See what you can do. Because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. And here's the, here's the point on this verse. This is the servants speaking of their master. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. Nabal's rich, he's powerful, and he doesn't have to listen to anybody. I got all the pesos in my pocket. By my great business dealings, I'm savvy. I know what I'm doing. I'm rich because I'm a sharp, shrewd guy. And everyone, even his own servants, this was their opinion of this wealthy man. He's such a wicked man, no one can talk to him. We looked at this next passage, verses 18 to 22, and basically Abigail loads up her donkeys. She does not tell her husband what she's going to do, and she brings all these gifts and appeals to David. Verse 23 to 25. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. Remember, Abigail is a beautiful, intelligent, rich, wealthy woman. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. Verse 24, she fell at David's feet and said, pardon your servant, my Lord. And here it is. Let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. She's appealing to someone. Her husband won't listen to anybody, but she's heard David's different. You can appeal to this man. You can approach him. You can speak to him. David is different than so many people. So she appeals, let me speak to you. 
here, I want to I want to point out some broccoli. Please pay no attention, my Lord. Oh, this is what she says about her own husband. And again, she's a godly woman. Don't misread. You'd have to follow the whole chapter to appreciate why she's saying what she's saying. But Abigail speaks about her husband and she says, please pay no attention, my Lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. He is just like his name. His name means fool and folly goes with him. There's a man who can't be approached, won't listen to anybody. He's king of his castle. The opposite of humble is Nabal. He's an arrogant, stiff-necked man. But as for me, Abigail speaking of herself, but as for me, your servant, I did not see the men my Lord sent. And then she began speaking. This was the bulk of my message last time. She began speaking to him about David's character, about the prophecies over David, the words over David's life. And she began speaking and saying what God did. She has even a, a subtle reference to David's victory over Goliath. And she's reminding him who he really is with grace and wisdom and kindness. Verse 32. So she makes her appeal to David. And this is David's response, verse 32 to 35. And David said to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. Again, David's a warrior king. He's a sorted out guy. But David has a soft heart. And he could be appealed to. He can be reasoned with. Verse 35. Then David accepted from her hand what she had brought him and said, go home in peace. And here's, here's the, the punchline of this verse. Verses. I have heard your words. I've heard your words. I've listened. I'm mad. I'm angry. But I'm also humble and you can appeal to me. I have heard your words, Abigail. They don't know each other. They have no relationship. She's not pulling on any heartstrings from years ago when she was his nanny growing up. David's simply a humble man. He's ticked off. He's mad. His men have been offended. But you can reason with a godly, soft-hearted man. He's not going to cut your head off with his sword or his words. I have heard your words. And I grant your request. Key verses in this text. Verse 17 about Nabal. He is such a wicked man, no one can talk to him. Am I able to hear the truth in love? Verse 24. Abigail appeals, appeals to David. And she says to David, let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Because she's heard he's a tender-hearted man. He's a worshiper. He loves God. He, he's a psalmist. He plays music. He's a soft, tender-hearted man. But he kills Goliaths. What kind of person am I? Am I a worshiper? Am I tender-hearted? Can I hear truth from people even when it hurts? Because my heart is always soft. 
even if I'm an outgoing person, even if I'm an extrovert. Just because I'm an extrovert doesn't mean I can't have a soft heart. They're, they're not mutually exclusive. And in verse 35, David says to Abigail, once he's heard truth, I have heard your words and granted your request. Nabal had a hard heart and was ultimately judged by God and was no more. You can read the rest of the story. It's quite powerful. And through, and what Abigail did, she wasn't willing to speak the truth in love, which she did. In boldness and confidence, she did it. Knowing the man, his tendency on the inside. He's a soft, soft worshiper of God. You can, you can talk to this guy. And then because she was courageous and brave and used wisdom and kindness in her words, she stepped into her own destiny and was rewarded for her courage, her humility, and honesty. As I said last week, Ruth and Abigail are my two favorite ladies in the Bible, just amazing, amazing women. This is a powerful person. What does a soft heart look like? What is a soft heart? Lord, if I have a soft heart, what would that look like? It means I'm reasonable. That not, you don't have to tiptoe around and see if the temperature of my heart is hot today or cold today. You know, you jump in a pool, you're like, eh, eh, toe in. What kind of person am I? Am I a toe in person? Everybody tips toe, tiptoes around? Or am I just my norm? Everybody has off days. Everybody, except Jesus. Everybody has off days. But in my relationships with people, am I a reasonable person? Am I a soft-hearted person? Am I an approachable person? Am I teachable? When people confront me, do I always push back? Or is my first response, let me hear you? Do I need, give me five examples before, or just, just, that, I, just that I've offended somebody, just that I've harmed somebody, just that there's something that is offensive about me. Do I always have to push back and defend myself and excuse myself? Or is my posture in my heart immediately, oh, help me. Help me, speak to me. Lord, I want to change. I want to, I want to be the type of person that's attractive to be around. A soft-hearted person is confident. They're not mealy-mouthed. They've got a spine because they're confident in who God says they are. But my confidence doesn't bleed over to arrogance. Does that make sense? Total opposite of arrogance. But I'm confident in who God says I am. But I'm also confident, Rick Perryman, I'm also confident there are orange cones around me. I am under construction, and I want my loving brothers and sisters to help tell me the truth about me, because I am far from perfect. Don't say anything, Randy. <laughs> I'm not looking for a vote right now. He is. Oh, my gosh. I'm not perfect, but I am confident that the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, are changing me, and many times He uses people to help me see me. Accurately. Am I able to listen without justifying? At this point in his life, David is already a legend. The Bible says that the women were singing, Saul has killed his thousands, and David has killed his ten thousands. He's already a legend, but he's not a big shot in his own. He's not a rock star. He doesn't have his billboards up. Nothing wrong with billboards. Nothing wrong with billboards. He's not on his autograph tour yet. He's kind, he's humble, he's soft. 
Even a woman he doesn't know can come and appeal to him, and he can listen. He's not full of himself. Nabal had wealth and power. He had a lot of money. I wonder how much all that money, again, Rick, thank you. I want, no, somebody else. Oh, the love of money. Thank you. Sorry, Neil, giving you credit to the wrong person. <laughs> Nothing wrong with money. It is a neutral. And if you don't have anybody, you probably can't bless anybody with it. There's nothing wrong with money. You need money in order to give money to somebody. Amen. It's a blessing. It's a tool. It's a resource. Many of the guys in the Old Testament were loaded. <laughs> Lots of money. Money is never the issue. Falling in love with it is. Amen. Being greedy with it is. That's the problem. But I want it if I want to be able to bless people. But I wonder how money has affected me. They go, well, I'm not rich compared to him, him, him. If you live in the United States, you're rich. Ask Tanzania. It's, you are in the top 5% if you're breathing in this room, financially in the world. I'm not rich. Oh, yes, we are. We're Americans. And live in this country, we are blessed. In every way, Blessed. I wonder how money has affected me. It, maybe it's a blind spot in my life. I can't see it. Brothers and sisters, come. Holy Spirit, come. Bible, help me. But here's, the, here's a warning for us as Americans. And Lord, I want to take note of this. David was a man after God's own heart. That's what the Bible said. Bible also says about David, he accomplishes, accomplished the purposes of God in his generation. David was amazing. We will meet him in heaven. We'll be like, dude, you're amazing. Thank you. But here's the catch. Even David lost his way. He was amazing, 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 amazing. He, uh, many of his psalms that he wrote are in the Bible. Stories. He was, he was an amazing, but he didn't keep his heart soft. Many and most theologians will tell you that in his 50s, he lost his way. He took someone's life and stole his wife. An innocent man. Why? Because he didn't keep his heart soft. He wasn't approachable. He wasn't accountable to anyone. And he lost his way. And blood, bloodshed was in his family the rest of his days on earth. Why? Because not, none of us are impervious. None of us bullets bounce off of us. I don't care if I'm 20 years old or 120 years old. Am I accountable to somebody? Who? Who asks me the hard questions? Who do I seek out to ask me, what do you see in my life? When's the last time I went to somebody and said, what do you see in my life that's not pretty? Tell me about what you see, how I treat my wife. Tell me about how you see when, how I speak to my children. Tell me, not about my driving. Let's leave that aside. Don't ride in the car with me. I'm not that bad. No, I'm the, I'm the police. <laughs> I want to give everybody a ticket. My wife and I, our favorite phrase when we're driving on the highway is, these kids, don't, it's not Mario Kart. It's a thousand pounds of metal flying down the highway, and you're going to kill somebody. I hope it's not me. I hope it's not anybody. I struggle in the car. <laughs> I should have my car painted orange, under construction. Here I am. 
But even with David, his wealth and his power turned him into an island. An island of arrogance, an island of I'll take from you what I want. I'll steal from what you want with no worry about consequences. As Americans, we are so wealthy. And one of our, one of our potential Achilles heel is how we, how we handle money, how we view money. Lord, let, let it not own me. Let me be like the George Bailey of life. This is an older crowd. My, my favorite movie of all time, Love George Bailey, It's a Wonderful Life. All-time favorite movie, sorry. It's mine, you can't have it. <laughs> he spent his life blessing other people. Even died to his own dreams. Till the end of his life, he realized what he'd done. How many people he'd affected. Lord, let me be like that. Let me be like Jesus. The most wealthy, powerful being in the universe. And he laid it all aside to bless other people. Lord, let me, let me be like you. Let me not, don't, don't let wealth and power and influence and my title at work, don't let it make me arrogant, full of myself. I don't want to be a Nabal. I don't want to be a Nabal towards my wife. I don't want to have Nabal towards, the other way. I don't want to be, okay, let's just say you're a woman. You don't want to be arrogant towards your husband. You don't want to be an island where nobody comes to you, bitter, angry, frustrated. It's, not, it's, it's gender neutral. Men and women, can we keep our hearts soft to what Jesus is doing in our lives? Ephesians 4.15 says this, and I'm winding it up. Ephesians 4.15, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Lord, so if, if people are coming to me, speaking the truth and love to me, am I the sort of person that can hear truth? Or do I reject it and say, who do you think you are? That was Nabal. How am I with hearing challenging truth about myself? Would I even recognize it? Or would I just reject it? Who, who is in my world, in my life, that does that for me, that loves me enough to tell me my blind spots? Do I push back? Do I become defensive and defend myself? Do I justify my actions? Do I need 10 examples before I'm willing to admit I might have a blind spot? If this person is caring enough to come and speak to me, maybe I shouldn't immediately argue with them. Maybe my first response is, Lord, Holy Spirit, help me see me the way everyone else around me sees me, the way heaven sees me. Can I listen instead of justifying? Consider in the quietness of my own heart, softly processing what other people see and one kind person is helping me with. If I'm married, if I'm married, and I am, I'm talking about you. If you're married, how do I handle it when my spouse says, I think we need to speak to someone? How do we handle that as a married person? Woo! Warning, Will Robinson. No. Because <laughs> it's a pride. I don't want other people to see my stuff. But what if my spouse thinks we need help? No, 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 no. You need to see somebody. <laughs> Trouble. Lord, I want to be 
humble. I, I want to be the best person that I can be. I want to be the type of person the Bible says I am. I'll finish with this verse. Micah 6.8. Highlighted, circled, red, yellow, all, all sorts of colors on this one in my Bible. Micah 6.8. He has shown you, O mortal man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Lord, what do you require of me? To act justly, to do what's right. To act justly. To love mercy. It doesn't say to be merciful. It says to love it. To love mercy. Very different than just showing mercy every once in a while. It's to love it. And to walk humbly with your God. That means I'm approachable. You can come in love and speak the truth to me. Because I want it. I have broccoli in my teeth. Maybe not in the moment. I might have avocado on my teeth. And people who love me help me tell me the truth. Father, I thank you for what you're doing. Father, our goal, our desire is that, as Ephesians 4.15 says, we will grow up. We will become who we're called to be. Lord, I don't want to be like Nabal. I don't want to be an island to myself, answerable only to myself, that my opinion is the only one I listen to. You have blessed me. You blessed Nabal. You overwhelmingly blessed him with everything a person could want. And yet his response was arrogance. Lord, we live in the United States, most of us anyway. We live in the United States. We're so blessed. We're so privileged. Lord, we're so opulently, overwhelmingly blessed. Lord, we can't even recognize it at times. I have a, a, a flush toilet. I have a refrigerator. The little magic light comes on when I open the door. When I want gasoline, I just put a little thing and there it goes. Do I want Chinese? Do I want Mexican? Do I want Italian? Do I, what, what, do I want Subway? Lord, I have every opportunity, every single day. Help me see the blessing. And that it would keep my heart soft. That money wouldn't own me, but I would use it as a tool to bless others. As Neil said, Lord, that I'm not so much interested in building up this house. I, I'm looking to build a house in heaven. Lord, I don't want just my reward in this life. Amen. I want it forever. Amen. Amen. May, I, may I have a heart, Father, Amen. that's responsive, that can be approached, that can be appealed to. Lord, so that I can grow up. I want to simplify my life, Lord, not complicate it with more things. More attitudes. Lord, keep, keep my heart humble. Help me. Help me, help me. Help us, Father, that this, this church would continue to be known as a giving church. Whether it's in Tanzania, whether it's in Haiti, Guatemala, India. Lord, that we would be known as a giving church. We would give to our own community, Lord. And bless those amongst us. Father, we would have your heart, Jesus. Who gave and gave and is still giving. Still interceding. So Jesus blesses as we go, go forward. Holy Spirit, do what you do amongst us. Help me to see me in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. amen, amen. Have an awesome week. Be blessed, be encouraged. Thanks for checking out the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. For more podcasts and additional information, visit us at lifechurchstpeters.com.